Welcome to our Trade Academy podcast series in which our experts simplify complex concepts involved in international trade and trade finance. In this episode, which is the final part of the introduction to international trade, we look at the risk ladder along with some examples of payment issues. And now we shall look at the payment ladder. This is just to recap. Open account is on top being the most secure for the importer. And then you have collection documents against acceptance is good for the importer because they get a usance period to pay. The next one comes as collection uh, document against payment because they have to make the payment at site. Next is letter of credit and then comes confirmed LC. Confirmed LC is really interesting and important for beneficiaries who are not happy with the issuing bank who has issued the LC. And the final one is advance payment. Advance payment is the most secure for the exporter and the least secure for the importer. So that's it from us. So we will be happy to take on the questions. Thanks, Mona. That was very insightful. The first question that's coming from someone in Egypt. So if a company starts up and works in Egypt and is using the IOR system until it gets its import license, the invoice mentions that the customer's name is the IOR company, but the PO or sales contract mentions that there's three parties in the contract, the buyer, seller, and the IOR. Could the buyer pay direct to the seller? even if the name is not on the invoice. Now, the buyer wants to pay, they can do it directly. But if you are having an LC, you cannot do that because the bank would only pay to the respective beneficiary. So it depends on which payment method you are picking up. If you are taking advance payment and you're happy to pay because you trust the the seller and the IOR, you can go ahead and, and do that. And plus, you'll, you'll probably need to check the rules and regulations in Egypt. It depends completely on the payment method that you're selecting. And if it is collections or a, or letter of credit, no, you cannot. And the bank would not. The bank will only pay to the respective beneficiary or to the respective seller. There can't be two different sellers in that case. To kind of tackle this situation under LC, you have an option to transfer the LC. So let's say if you are going for the LC as a buyer, right? So what you can have is you can issue an LC, a transferable LC. So the seller would become the first beneficiary and IOR becomes the second beneficiary in this. Accordingly, the documents will be prepared by both. If IOR is the one who's going to ship the goods, they do it. Or if it's the seller who's going to ship, they do it. And eventually, the first beneficiary's bank will collate all the documents that is from the seller and the IOR, if there are any, right? And then they will submit one presentation to the buyer's bank, to the issuing bank. Issuing bank will, after scrutinizing the LC, will then make the payment to the beneficiary's bank, the first beneficiary's bank. Once the first beneficiary's bank receives the payment, according to the transfer of amount, the LC, right? If it's 100%, like let's say the LC is 100%, right? 100 and the first beneficiary is keeping 20% and the remaining 80 is given to the second beneficiary. So once the payment is received by the first beneficiary's bank, that bank will then divide that payment and send out the 80% to the second beneficiary so that they get paid. And at the same time, that 20% would be retained for the first beneficiary and they get paid as well. So you can tackle that with letter of credit if you're okay with that. But otherwise, advance payment would be the other thing where uh, if you are comfortable with both the parties, you can you can accordingly go ahead. 
Thanks, Amanda. Uh, moving along to the next question. Is it possible for a bank that is accepting an LC sent by an applicant before it is being accepted and reviewed by the beneficiary, and mostly having LC charges also posted into the beneficiary accounts? Okay. Advising bank will receive DC from issuing bank, and advising bank role would be to advise the DC to beneficiary upon confirming authenticity only. For this, bank will charge a fee and will be debited as per DC terms. Fee can be on applicant or beneficiary. Now, having said that, beneficiary can require and ensure terms and conditions worded as required. So, will require to confirm with applicant. The uh, solution to this would be uh, for a draft to be uh, shared prior to issuance. So basically, I believe the question is around, uh, there's a, there's a thing called inactive DC or, or inoperative DC. I think that is what the question is around. So yes, we do have inoperative LCs where the issuing bank will issue, uh, like an advice basically to the beneficiaries bank saying that, look, we are going to, uh, issue an LC and, you know, these are going to be the terms and conditions so that before the beneficiaries bank, right? Because if you see, whenever an LC is issued, the beneficiaries bank sometimes refuse to advise an LC. A bank always has the right to refuse a particular LC, which could be due to any terms and conditions within the LC, which they are not comfortable with. So it could be one of the reasons why the issuing bank would first advise it to a particular beneficiaries bank, because they anticipate rejection from that bank of the LC. Not that the beneficiary is going to reject the LC. The bank may not be comfortable advising the LC. So they may send an inoperative LC to them, advising about the terms and conditions and how it's going to be. And depending on that, that bank may decide uh, whether they're okay to go ahead. They may even inform beneficiary that, look, we've received so-and-so thing from applicant's bank and they're asking for this particular thing. Are you comfortable with that? At which point, beneficiary can also provide their feedback to the bank based on which the uh, beneficiary's bank will decide and then go back and advise to the um, applicant's bank, that is the issuing bank. So that is basically the reason why we have an inoperative LC done as opposed to just going ahead and issuing the LC like normal. Quite a few more questions coming in around LCs. Firstly, is there only one kind of LC or are there different kinds? What is the risk for the importer for a confirmed LC? And if an LC is not confirmed, can the applicant bank delay the payment at the date of payment? Okay, so starting with the third question, right? Can an applicant bank or other issuing bank delay the payment if the DC is not confirmed? No, they cannot delay the payment. An issuing bank cannot delay the payment if you have submitted clean documents or the documents were discrepant, but the applicant accepted it and the issuing bank gave their acceptance to you. So once a document is accepted, the issuing bank is liable to make the payment to the beneficiary either at site if that's the condition or at maturity. So they cannot back off saying, no, we can't pay and, you know, we're not going to pay. The only catch over here is that, let's say if you're dealing with a particular customer from a country where the political standing is not so great or the commercial laws are not that great, meaning that bank could go bankrupt. I mean, if that is possible, right? Or maybe that bank's license could get just revoked. You never know. So if you are dealing with such a applicant from such a country where you are not too sure about that bank, the bank's rating basically, if it's not good, then it is advisable for you to have the LC confirmed by a bank in your country. 
so that your payment is most definitely confirmed. You will get the payment. Even if the issuing bank, let's say they go bankrupt or their license is revoked and they're not able to do the transaction further, then yes, your payment may be at stake. That is the only reason. That is the only uh, way that your payment would be at stake. Otherwise, if the issuing bank is functioning, they have to pay you at maturity irrespective. Therefore, it is important to have the confirming bank if you are not happy with the issuing bank's standing and the country from where they belong. So that is one. Um, ben, what was the second one? What is the risk for the importer for using a confirmed LC? For the importer, there is no risk. There is absolutely no risk for you to have a confirmed, uh, confirming bank in the LC. The only thing is the confirming bank will also charge similar to the way uh, issuing bank is charging. That is, they will have a commission rate for the uh, for the life of the LC. So there will be like basically two charges from two banks, issuing bank and confirming bank. Anyhow, issuing bank charges are mostly paid by the applicant, so you're bearing it anyways. But the confirming bank charges again comes into the picture, which then needs to be decided who is going to pay. If the beneficiary is insisting on having a confirming bank, I need, you know, like they're not happy with the issuing bank, then probably you can negotiate with them saying that, you know, I'm already paying for my own bank. You can take the confirming bank charges. In which case, again, you do not have any risk. And what was the first one? Are there many types of LCs or just one? There are many types of LCs. You have transferable LC, uh, which can be transferred to first beneficiary, I mean, second beneficiary, third beneficiary. Then you have the evergreen LCs, which is, you know, a standby LC, basically, which is exactly like a guarantee, but it's more of an LC towards the LC side where the LC would go on as in there is, um, it would get uh, automatically extended every year and uh, under that you would then submit documents if at all you want to claim. So what happens in, in a standby DC is that you would issue the DC for a particular transaction which you're expected to have between uh, with your client over a period of maybe let's say years. Okay. And you would only present documents if the applicant defaults a payment. So it's more like claiming. You're not going to submit documents like you do for a normal LC after every shipment. This would be only in case the payment is defaulted. So, yeah, there are different types of LCs, which if you go through UCP 600, that's a very useful thing to read through. You will come to know about all those types of LCs. Thank you, Mona. Can you give details on Avalized Draft and why this mode of payment is not widely used compared to DC? Now, Avalized Draft is basically, um, okay, this is something which we will be covering in the following uh, training sessions that we have. Uh, but just to give you a brief idea on this, well, under collections, the banks involved do not give any undertaking to any of the parties. But under collections, uh, Avalization is one such method where the, the drawer can be given an undertaking from the drawee's bank. So basically the buyer, the applicant, their bank can give that undertaking to the beneficiary. But to do that, you as a importer will need to have your uh, limit lines with your bank. And that could be, uh, you know, if you already have an import line where you're issuing import LCs and everything, then having another line for collections could be costly for you. So you might not want to go down that route, which is probably why you do not see a lot of avalizations happening. Because if you have to give undertaking, you might as well give it under LC. Yeah, so basically avalization is just an undertaking given by the applicant's bank to beneficiary at the payment stage. Beneficiary, when they're submitting the documents to the bank, to their bank, they need to clearly specify that we want this document to be avalized. 
because this is the exact instruction which their bank will uh, remitting bank will mention on their covering schedule and give it to applicant's bank now applicant's bank will only release documents to applicant once this avalization thing is sorted so if the applicant is okay to avalize they will give the instructions and then the um, applicant's bank will accordingly mark their limits and the avalization comes with a charge also so all of that will be taken and then the uh, bank would confirm to beneficiary's bank saying that okay we have avalized and we confirm to pay on so and so date so this is something which can be used but it depends on 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 the way people want to deal with so it depends on on your preference that's it for this episode please join us for the next installment which will be a guide to incoterms